Behold the voice of God. For those of you who don't know me officially, my name is Amanda Waller. And I am Aaron Moss, your host of Task Force X. What, we some kind of suicide squad? Well, yeah, that and... Checkmate. Task Force X is a podcast that tells the stories of John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupperberg's Checkmate from the late 80s, early 90s. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. And that's what Suicide Squad is. While Checkmate is a team of good people doing some good. My mission here is to chronicle each and every title in all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during that era. We're the U.S. government. <laughs> You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well, a blog and a headcast, Amanda. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. Not at all, Amanda. Just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them oh so many years ago. Mother... That's enough of that, Amanda. Let's go ahead and start the show. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Remember, I'm watching. I see everything. And once again, I'm back with Task Force X. This time, I'm doing a lot of... Uh, one title per show, it looks like. This time I'm bringing you a double episode of, or a double dose of Suicide Squad. And this episode is a special episode for me. No, it's not one of those very special, like, Gary Coleman on the different strokes when Lester, whatever his name was, took uh, Arnold and his buddy down to the bottom of the bicycle shop and... Never mind, that's another story entirely. No, it's not that kind of special. This episode is special to me... Uh, yes, it's episode 34. It's not a special number. But issue 22, the one first issue I'm going to cover this episode, this was, I, I want to say, the first or one of the first issues of Suicide Squad that I purchased. I may have picked this one in 23 at the same time because of the invasion, possibly. But I remember this was one of, if not my first Suicide Squad comic that I bought. So... Again, this is a very special episode for me. This is a very special I issue. But enough talking about the preliminaries. Let's get into the issue itself. As I said, we are, talk we are here today to talk about ta uh, Suicide Squad, issue 22. Cover date of 1988. To buy this off the stand, you had to be around November the 1st of 1988. Cover price was $1. Editor was Robert Greenberger. The title of the story was called Final Round. Written as normal by our wonderful buddy John Oshender. Penciled by the fabulous Luke McDonald. Inker was Carl Kiesel. Letterer Todd Klein. Colorist Carl Gafford. The cover was done, penciled by Luke McDonald and inked by Carl Kiesel. Uh, that and the synopsis I'm about to read all comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Uh, the synopsis. Amanda Waller sends the Suicide Squad to Washington to stop Rick Flagg from killing Tolliver and Senator Cray by any means necessary. They arrive too late to prevent the murder of Tolliver. The group splits up to search the city for Flag. Deadshot finds him at the Lincoln Memorial with Cray in his sights. Deadshot prevents Flag from killing Cray by shooting the Senator himself. When the police arrive moments later, they open fire on Deadshot. He is hit multiple times and dies, and we never hear from Deadshot again. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's hit multiple times, but he survives. Flag, meanwhile, disappears... And despite his efforts of the story, the Suicide Squad is publicly exposed. Now, for my thoughts on the issue itself. Uh, first up, I'm going to admit that I always, for some reason, I keep thinking this is issue 24. When I think about my first issue of Suicide Squad, I keep wanting to say it's 24. But no, it's this one here, issue 22. On the cover, we said, you know, we have the Suicide Squad logo. I like this as a lecture report by Oshender, McDonald, and Kiesel. We see Cray standing in front of a podium with a bunch of speakers. Says Campaign 88. We get Rick Flagg drawn, holding his gun on Cray. And we get Deadshot in the background holding his gun on... We're not quite sure who. Either Cray or Flagg. We can't tell from the angle he's at. Or at least I can't. Again, it's a very nice cover. I, I really like this cover. Maybe it's because it's one of the first I picked up. It holds a special place in my heart, but I really like this cover layout, the design. I see we get Tolliver running for, we don't know if he's running for president or whatever it is, but it's campaign 88, that was an election year. Got Tolliver running here, it looks like. 
and a couple of our Suicide Squad boys ready to take somebody out. Moving on to the actual issue itself, the first page here, we have our, our standard briefing scene. We get Amanda Waller dressing the team. We get Bronze Tiger, who should have been in the Suicide Squad movie. Anyways, a Vixen from the old Just League Detroit fame. Shade, Duchess, who we'll find more about later on in the series. Uh, what's his name? Briscoe. Nemesis, Black Orchid, and a couple of the favorites, Boomerang and Deadshots in the back of the room, each of them smoking a cigarette. Listen to Mama Waller talk. And I share this out. We have a major problem. Its name is Colonel Rick Flagg. And then she goes on to brief him, and as she's talking to him, you know, she lets him know that Derek Tolliver, who used to be their NC, NSC liaison, Back when they first appeared, well, uh, he, I think he first appeared in the Fury of Firestorm that I talked about with Shag many years ago. Uh, seems like many years ago now. It's been a couple of years ago. Uh, I like, uh, anyway, so she's saying, you know, we're playing another Dellar Tolliver, who he, reminding us who he is. And we get Boomerang saying that, again, reminding us talking about that suicide or the Firestorm issue. Again, there's a note, footnote here see Firestorm 64. I love those. Boomerang's all, he's a Gallag that went on the Firestorm fiasco in New York and turned loose the parasite. Useless pee to me, that one. Vixen's like, must have been, must have been if even you didn't like him. <laughs> You're such a funny Sheila, you know that? Ho, 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 it is the laugh. <laughs> again, I love the, the, again, this is a, a team, but they're not really a team. There's always this in-bickering, fighting amongst them. I, I love the dynamics in this team. And Waller also announces that Tolliver is also responsible for the Firebird fiasco in Russia. Again, we get a little footnote here saying uh, issues five through seven. And that's the one that caused our boy Nemesis to get left behind in Russia and spend a few issues in Russia. And I like that. So Amanda's like, dreamed up himself and sent us in with faulty info. And uh, Nemesis is sitting there. Oh, did he? I have a few words I'd like to exchange with him as he's cracking his knuckles. <laughs> the black organ just next to him. I won't give him the side eye like, oh. <laughs> I love this image of Nemesis just sitting here going, hmm, I think I need to have a talk with this guy. <laughs> and by talk, he means beat the living tar out of him, sure. And then she goes on to say how he's told Senator Joe Cray about the team, which we've been learning about in the last few uh, issues. They turn with a cover if they didn't help get Ray Cray reelected. And Bronze Tigers, of course, so I assume Black Bell attempt failed since we haven't exactly been ringing doorbells. And yeah, basically, Amanda's given us some recap of what's been going on over the last few issues. Let's know kind of on the side that Checkmate got some information on Tolliver. And again, we get a little footnote here from John that says, provided by the Checkmate division of the Task Force X. The squad doesn't know about them. And I like this. So how she's talking about them. Because, again, as we know, she got the information from Checkmate, which is the, the other side of the Suicide Squad organization, which the Suicide Squad doesn't really know about. And as Amanda's talking, she's like, I kept delaying the issue until I got the info that Checkmate had told her. Which is a, cute, a clever way to reference Checkmate. And then we get Shade like, in other words, you blackmail the blackmailer. And I like, I like this page here where he's talking. We get a, a face... Forming by his meta vest up over his head. Can't quite make it out because, again, the vest is very light and surprising, I guess it would be, uh, per from going by what uh, Shag and Rob says on the Who's Who podcast. Looks like surprising to me. And then, of course, Deadshot's got the, you know, the brilliant suggestion we could just shot him, which is Deadshot's suggestion all the time. And Amanda's like, brilliant idea, deadhead. Of course, that's the fact that the President of the United States has been given... Orders to cooperate wouldn't complicate matters for you, would you? Don't tell me. You shoot him too, right? And she's like, they'll get a close-up of her face, her eyes closed, her face down. Unfortunately, Colonel Flagg is the same mind as you. She overheard him arguing, and, you know, again, we know he went off to kill both Cray and Tolliver. And again, Bronze Tiger stands up. Why? If he knew you had the matter control, he didn't. I didn't choose to confide my plan in Colonel Flagg. And just the look on the team, especially Bronze Tiger's face, like, what the... You're playing, he says, you're playing with your damn long hands again. Matches are not an issue here. And now, what the Colonel tends to do is, and that is why I have assembled the squad. You're going after him, and you're going to help 
you're going to keep him from killing Tolliver and Cray by whatever means necessary. And Nemesis stands up. He's like, you mean kill him? And she's like, by whatever means necessary. So go ahead and I want you guys to bookmark this. As I talked about earlier in the synopsis, I've already kind of spoiled this, but bookmark that whole by whatever means necessary. That's going to come back into play at the end of the stories we talked about. And like this close up on Boomerang's face, he's like, oh, I'm going to love this assignment. And uh, Duchess, you know, she's like, she's thinking, well, I can't have that, let that happen. I have my plans of my own. So again, so they're talking, and most of the squad, Bronze Tiger, Vixen, Shade, Nemesis, are all like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to kill Rick Flag, one of us, to stop him from killing these other guys that are jerks anyways. We're not going to do that. And Amanda's like, well, I can't make you go. But you people are the ones most likely to try to bring the Colonel alive. You're going to leave the field to those who just want him dead? And... Uh, Rick Shade, uh, the Changing Man, and Vixen look over their shoulder, and they we see Boomerang toss a boomerang in the air. Duchess sitting there looking at him. Briscoe sitting there looking at him too. I don't consider Briscoe, unless I'm mistaken. I think that's Briscoe, the pilot. I don't consider him really a bad guy. I don't know why he would be gung ho to kill Flag, but and we all see Deadshot sitting there. Holding his wrist magnum up, right? You know, like I'm ready to shoot somebody. And I like the fact that it threw me off at first because there's some smoke coming off the end of his hand, like maybe he'd already fired it around and the gun was smoking. But I forgot he was smoking earlier, so that's one of his cigarettes. But it's a nice image of his hand sitting up like he's ready to shoot and he's got smoke. Looks like it's coming off the gun almost. Like he's already fired. It's, it's a really nice scene. And then we get, uh, as everyone's leaving, starting the mission. Simon Legree, the psychiatrist, comes up and Men is like, you want some too, Simon? Yes, Lawton should be near this mission, given what he's just been through recently. And again, there's another footnote here seen in the Deadshot miniseries, which I covered recently on this very podcast. For what he's talking about, check out those episodes. And Manda tells him the United States in the infirmary, they need all the manpower they can get. Again, Dead, Nightshade was shot last issue by June. Yeah, by June Moon. And Simon agrees, just like, you know, I'll wash my hands of it. If Simon goes off the deep end on this mission, the responsibility will be on you. And we just get a, I like this here at the bottom of page six. We get a panel of Amanda standing in a little blue background behind her. She's overshadowing the, the blue background. She's like, that's where it's always been, Simon. And I, I, it's just one panel, it's just a, a sentence. But I like that. It kind of shows Amanda, to, to me anyways, it kind of shows Amanda where she's coming from, that, you know, she feels that she has to shoulder the responsibility for everything. And that kind of lets us know uh, why she acts the way she does, I think. And it gives us not really background, but it gives us background info on Amanda that she feels everything rests on her shoulders. And, yeah, she has some pretty wide shoulders to carry it, but that can be a little daunting for anybody. So that, that kind of... And, again, not to harp on it, yeah, I will be talking about this movie in the future. I, I plan on doing a commentary track on the uh, Suicide Squad movie. That, I think that's really went wrong with her because, again, a lot of people consider her a villain because of the way she acts. But, again, as I've said before, Amanda Waller done properly, done the way that John Ostinger seems to do her. Unless I'm misinterpreting John's writing, she's not a villain. She she's a hardcore. She grew up as we've talked about in previous issues. She's lost her husband. She lost several of her kids to the streets. She she raised the rest of her kids. She got herself an education. She did what she needed to to pull herself out of her predicament, and she continues to do what she needs to do for what she feels is the right reason. Uh, again, quickly going back, and again, I'll mention this again when we do the commentary and probably other times. Uh, when she shot that entire, her entire, again, spoilers for the Suicide Squad movie. You may want to skip in about a minute if you don't want to hear this. But when she shot her support staff because they weren't supposed to know about it or whatever, I thought that was very anti-Amanda Waller. I, I didn't care for that because that's not Amanda Waller to me. This is Amanda Waller. I mean, she's sending these people on a mission. She wants them to stop Rick Flag however she needs to. 
but it's it's to save the Suicide Squad, if you will, from them their identity becoming public. Which, as I talked about in synopsis, is a little too late, but that's another story entirely. Uh, anyways, moving ahead, we get back into Tolliver's uh, office where Flo's trying to call him. And she calls and she gets an answer from uh, one of the detectives that's there. And the cop doesn't tell what it is. And she picks, he picks up the phone. I'm sorry, but Mr. Tolliver isn't available right now. If that urgent, you can give me the message and I'll see he gets it. And then she hung up. And the cops are talking about, and apparently the one cop that was talking to Flo on the phone, he's like, what bothers me is this copy of this memo he's preparing to send out regarding the so-called suicide squad. And then his buddy asked me, hey, maybe that uh, they croaked all over to shut him up? He's like, I hope not. You get one of these corrupt government groups involved and everything hits the fan and you're going to get splattered. And heaven help us if the media gets wind of this. And so they're checking out the senator. They're going to check out the senator Cray guy, and his bud, his partner Hilly. As he gets ready to take off, apparently we see him patting his pocket as he leaves, and he says that it's safe and sound. Apparently his daughter is sick or something needs an operation of some sort, and he ain't got the bread. But he's got a buddy in the media that's going to pay big, big bucks for the tip for a tip. So, again, the one cop, I forget his name offhand, you know, doesn't want the media to get a wind of this because, again, it's going to be, you know, the crap's going to hit the fan and get all over everybody. And, uh, again, he tells us here that they got the memo he found was just a carbon. They couldn't find the original. But apparently Hiller took the original, and that's what he's going to sell off to pay for his daughter's surgery or operation, whatever it is. And being a father, I can understand... While that is kind of a scummy thing to do, leak the news of a government organization. Well, I don't know. I want to say it's a scummy thing to do because, I mean, because I, I like the Suicide Squad. I like Amanda Waller. I like the team for the most part. But realistically, he, he needs money for his daughter. He needs an operation. Again, I'm a father. Uh, I don't think I've talked about that much on my podcast. Uh, I may have mentioned it on my head speaks. Back in early 2000, my son had, my old, my oldest son had what's called an AVM where the blood vessels in his brain started leaking. So he had to have emergency surgery and they cauterized it and they had to go through a couple surgeries. And again, I don't have a lot of money, so I didn't have to pay for it. Luckily, I had insurance, plus uh, there was something through the hospital that helped me pay for most of it. So uh, I wasn't in this position where I couldn't pay for anything, but... As a father, having a child that's gone through an operation or needs an operation, I can understand where Hiller's coming from wanting to uh, sell this to make money for his daughter. Plus, it's a covert operation that, that's killing people. They call a suicide squad. I, I, if that was actuality, I think as an American citizen, I would want to know where my tax dollars are going. I want to know that these villains are being released after undergoing these suicide missions, if they survive, they get released. I I think the public, again, as the American public, I think we should have a right to that. But I, I'm undecided. I don't know. I'm on the fence here. Because, again, in reality, yes, I'd want to know. I understand where Hillary's coming from. But as a fan of the Suicide Squad, I wouldn't want to see the Suicide Squad disbanded because of this guy. And... Again, he's releasing confidential information, so that's wrong of him on that part. But the American citizen deserves to know, so I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards that. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is Hiller a scumbag, or is he doing uh, the right thing for the right reasons, but the wrong thing? I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know what you think about what Hiller's doing here. I'm curious to get other people's opinions. Um, back to our story itself. So we got the team disbanding. They're out in the rain. And they're splitting up hunting for them. <clears throat> and I like here at the bottom of page 9, after they all split off, uh, Deadshot's gone off on his own. Looks like uh, Duchess and Boomerang's going off hunting. And our, our core group of good guys, in quotes. And you see, Briscoe's part of this group. He's like, let's go. I'm going to find the colonel before any of those jackals do. I like that line. But... Again, Briscoe's on part of the good guys here, so I, I don't know. I don't think he should have been a part of that group that Amanda was saying would be willing to kill him. But I don't know. 
Anyway, so the team takes off on their own, you know, accord and split in their own little groups. And Mary takes off, that's the vixen for you guys, takes off of Ben, a.k.a. Bronze Tiger. And I like that she's asking, she's like, well, I got a question, Ben. If it comes down to it, can you kill Flag? And Bronze Tiger's like, we both killed people, Mary. Neither of us are proud of those memories, but we both know we're capable of it. And she's like, yeah. Nice trying to dodge the question, stupid. It's not what I asked you. Can you kill Rick Flagg? You know him. You admire him. You feel what he's going been through. If the only way to stop him is his life or your own life, can you kill him? And Bronze Tiger, he's, uh, he's like, I, would, I could say yes. I could say no. The thing is, we won't really know until the moment comes. And that's what I've said about a lot of things in life, that you can say... Well, in a given situation, in any given situation, I would do this or that. But until you're in said situation, you don't really know how you're going to act. You could say, well, I'd be, you know, if I was in this situation here, I could do this. But until you're actually plucked in that situation and you actually have, you know, maybe seconds to make a life or death decision, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you could do the brave thing, you could do the right thing, or you could chicken out, you could... I, who knows, you know? So I, I like Ben's philosophy, that, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can't. We'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really like Ben's attitude there. It's, it's very realistic and a very... Not a lot of people would have that kind of zen, in quotes, uh, attitude that, you know what? I won't know until it happens. And then we cut to the editorial office of a great metropolitan newspaper. The newspaper is not named, but in the first year we got, uh, what, six people in silhouettes. Not quite sure who we're dealing with at first. Uh, they said that you know, they got a, a story, but they can they, you know, go with what they have. And one of the guys thought, well, you got the fact the only guy who wrote this is dead. And we don't know how the two are connected. In fact, we got this woman that's talking and again, if you're reading this, you can tell who it is. It, we're looking at the Daily Planet staff. Here at the bottom, we get Perry White smoking a cigarette, a cigar. We have Jimmy Olsen with his camera on his neck. Uh, would Senator Cray's death do for collaboration, Chief? Yeah, it would, wise guy. And by the way, don't call me Chief. So if you're not quite sure who this group of people is, uh, we can pretty much tell that it's the Daily Planet. Uh, we have Lois, Jimmy, Perry... And I'm not sure who the other three are. One of them, we don't actually see him. We see it just in shadow, a, a silhouette. Maybe Clark possibly sitting at the table. Because we can see he's supposed to be wearing glasses. But and we have two other guys that I'm not sure. Maybe Steve Lombard possibly. It's hard to say. But I like that little, it gives you a, a Superman panel in here without actually having Superman. You know, his, his sporting cast. It's very underplayed. It's it's not in full color. It's more washed out than the rest of the book normally is. I, I like this insert here, this, this one page. It's, it's just a one page, them talking about the stuff that Hiller gave them. Like I say, it's very understated, but it's it's very it gets the point across of what they're what they're doing. And then we get back to our story where Nemesis reports back that Tolliver was shot and killed in his office about 5.30. And then we cut to, and like through, as we're going through here, we get timestamps letting us know what time it is. I mean, when the plane lands in Washington, D.C., it's 8.42 p.m. When we get the newspaper scene, that's at 9.16 p.m. Eastern Time. And then when uh, Nemesis lets Bronze Tiger know that Tolliver was killed, that's at 9.55. Then at 10.22 p.m., we get Cray being dropped off, and he's like, have his driver go. He's at a private meeting, you know. And he's like, what's the latest return say? Not good, boss. You're trailing bad. Eh, it's just the voters. What do they know? Things will look different tomorrow. You told me you could deliver to Oliver. So far, you ain't delivered squat. I'm going to lose this election. So what's left? And as he goes walking, he's just thinking that, you know. But there's another way of getting in the governor's spot. He can, bullet goes to the winner. The governor's name needs governor needs to need someone to fill him out. He'll get named for that, you know. So no, however it works out, Cray knows he's going to get that position. He's either going to get elected there, however he can, or 
he'll hit, get the guy that wins killed and get appointed to it. So, no, he's like, Senator Joe Cray is still their senator, whether they like it or not. And with Tolliver tries to watch my deal, I'll blow him with, out of the water for the Godforsaken Suicide Squad. And we see Rick Flagg behind a pole, just sweating up a storm, because again, he, he's delusional, he's off his rocker. Uh, he, he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to save the Suicide Squad. And then we get uh, Deadshot Floyd watching Flag. He's like, bang, bang, Eddie. And again, he's, he's got this fixation, as we talked about during the Deadshot miniseries, with his dead brother, his older brother he, he looked up to. And it's been him, I'm sure it was here, elsewhere, that, or maybe over the Batman comics, that he kind of looks at Batman as a, an older brother. He kind of looks at Flag as an older brother. And I was kind of said here, he's looking at Flag through his, his uh, eye sight. He's like, bang, bang, Eddie. So he's very much thinking about his brother at this situation and how he was responsible for his brother's death. So, and then we get Amanda just losing her, losing her nut, freaking out. She's got her hands on her face. She's having a moment. We'll call it having a moment. It's at 10.34 p.m. It's all gone, John. It's all gone, John. Tolliver's dead. I have no idea if he got Creed to agree not to blow the lid off before he got killed. Whole thing's out of control. And Econo's, he's like, out of your control, you mean? And you hate that. Yeah, with a passion. How about calling him the Washington police? Tell her we're looking for, give him a chance to save Cray. And she's like, why owe Cray nothing? Both something the flag. Maybe one of our people can bring him in without killing him. Before he gets to Cray, I gotta give him that much of a chance. I like this page here because page 14, because it shows that Amanda, she's in overhead, and, and O'Connor just tells her straight out that, you know what, it's, not necessarily out of control, but it's out of your control. That she's a control freak. That she is the wall. She wants to control everything. As we've talked about in previous issues, because of her past, she feels she needs to control the situation. And the situation has gone well out of her control. But in the same tone, the same time, she wants to give Flag, who she roped into this whole this situation, as they talked about in an earlier issue, that her first choice would have been Bronze Tiger, but trying to get a black guy to lead the team... Would have worked as well, so they needed, you know, a blonde-eyed, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, blue-eyed soldier boy to lead the team. That's why she got recruited Flag into this, because that's, you know, at the time, he's more politically correct, not politically correct, politically correct would have been Ben in, and would have been the better choice. No, if it's the Flag, but he's, Ben, I don't, I don't think he's quite as messed up as Rick Flag is. Rick Flag's got some issues. We haven't explored much of Ben Turner's background, but he's got some issues we'll find out later on. So, I I don't know. Either, either one could have been risky. But she owes Rick, and she knows it, so that's why she's trying to get the team to bring him back in. And then we get back to the main story, where we hit 10.53 p.m. We've got Flag meeting with Senator Cray. Like, Senator Cray, I've come from Derek Tolliver. About damn time. Where's Oliver anyways? Dead. I killed him. Like, I'm going to kill you. No, please, who are you? And basically he tells you, you know, you sell blackmail the squad, Senator. Don't you realize you were trying to coerce thugs and killers, ruthless people? Didn't ever occur to you that the easy way of dealing with you is to kill you off? Squad, for all its faults, has done something for this country. Scum like you do nothing but rape it. I'm doing the country a favor. Again, page 16. And I keep saying this. I love John Ostrander's writing. He is one of my favorite writers. He did a fantastic job on the Suicide Squad's uh, comic. I wish I would have given him the, the movie to do, but that's another story entirely. That's another gripe for another day. I think I've already made. But I love the fact that, you know, Rick Flagg's got a point. Senator Cray is blackmailing killers and murderers and thugs. People that would kill their own mother just for, you know, looking at them the wrong way. And like I said, you know, the easy way to deal with them is to kill them, which he didn't really take into account. <laughs> And then Deadshot shows up. I like this. This here at the top of page 17, we get Deadshot sitting on the Lincoln Memorial, sitting on Lincoln's lap. The wall wants words with you. What are you doing here, Lawton? Mammy Waller's orders, Colonel. She told me to keep you from killing Cray here by whatever means necessary. Exact words. Remember earlier I told you to put a pin in that? We're back to it. Uh, <laughs> like Waller said to keep you from killing him, however, whatever, whatever means necessary. Those are exact words. And Flag's like, then you have to kill me. 
If you can, I've come too far to back down now. You're right, Colonel. Someone has to die. Here we're on page 17. We got the standoff between the three of them. We get a close-up of Abe Harham Lincoln's face. Deadshot shooting, and then Cray getting a bullet between the eyes in his head. Siren sound, and we get Floyd's like, "I did it, Ed. I killed old man this time, just like Ma told me to, to the letter." So again, the Suicide Squad's full of mixed-up, screwed-up individuals. Floyd, as we talked about in the Deadshot miniseries, is working over the whole mommy daddy brother situation and he's kind of working out his head here he's, he's killing Cray as a substitute for his father and like cops are coming Ed get, you get out of here I'll take care of them and again it shows that Floyd's not playing a full deck he's thinking he's dealing with his brother right now not Rick Flagg and like, he's like go I'll blow your brains out again so he forces Rick Flagg to take off he says he's going to take the heat and again he's very much caught in his own reality stuck between where he's really at, and in the past with his brother, thinking it's his brother possibly. And here on page 19, a great page, I, I've been complimenting the hell out of John Ossinger. This time I'm gonna wax Luke McDonald's car. Please come running up, please, up your weapons. And just that image of, of Floyd, dead shot, just sitting there, crouched over, just firing at the cops. Sure, bullets first. Fan. Fantastic. I just love this panel. This whole page, and then the cops open fire and just blow Floyd away. I mean, the arm and the gut and the other arm. Right next to his crotch, his leg. He's just getting bullet holes all over him. It was just a fantastic page. This page 19. This is one of my top pages. In fact, I'm going to save this page as I'm thinking about it. And I'm going to try to post this on the uh, site if I don't forget, because that's what I tend to do. But uh, there you go, because it's just a great page. I love this page. And so uh, page 20, a cop's checking on Floyd and on Senator Cray, and he tells him, you know, better get down, Captain. One of these jokers is alive. This movie, is it, did Floyd survive all that, or did Cray live? And then the next page, we get the answer right away. We get Amanda Waller visiting Dead shot in the hospital. <laughs> so, why the hell you shoot Cray, dead, deadhead? Just phone orders. Your orders. I never told you to do that. Said to keep flag from killing Cray any means possible. Exact words. I didn't mean by killing him yourself. Should have said so. I don't read minds. <laughs> so, again, as I said earlier, we can pull that pin out because it all comes back right here. <laughs> Your words, Amanda. Any, any means possible. So, again, I love... This this is one of my first. This was like I said, my first issue of Suicide Squad. It's a fantastic issue. This whole Floyd doing taking Amanda exactly at her words was fantastic. I love this. This is very John Ostender, very Suicide Squad, very Deadshot. I love this. And here at the bottom of page twenty one, I believe it is. Uh, yeah, twenty one. It's like we'll talk this some other time. You just concentrate getting better. I want you healthy when I kill you myself. <laughs> and then we find out that Flag's vanished. And Amanda says she's off to deal with the, the blowback from all this. Again, another fantastic issue. This tells us next month is uh, join the Suicide Squad for Invasion 2. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But let's go and take a break. And I'll be right back. We're gonna have a break. Message time, we're gonna take. Stop and listen. Stop and listen to me. Listen. Listen. Listen to me. Good out, gentlemen. Everyone. They're here already. You're next. November 4th, 1988. Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kuns, the Danigarians, and the Durlins. And they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover. Issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember Melbourne. Hello, I'm Albie. And I'm Heather. And we do the Quantum Leap Podcast. 
It can be found at quantumleappodcast.com and also on iTunes. We are starting at the beginning of Quantum Leap and going through all the episodes. This is my first time watching and I'll be seeing them during their original run. In each podcast, we talk about the overall thoughts of each episode. We do an episode recap if you haven't seen them in a while, just to refresh your memory. And then we do a detailed plot discussion. And we also have some great interviews. Scott Bakula, I remember being very, very uh, generous of spirit and very, very kind to his fellow actors. It was my first kiss ever, ever. So I, I am getting to kiss Scott Bakula on screen. And everybody in, involved with it was just terrific. And I'm always amazed that people come up to me and remember that episode and can quote things from it that I can't even quote. So if you're a leaper, It'd be great if you came and join us. And if you've never heard of Quantum Leap, it's maybe a good time to start watching it because you have a podcast to go along with it. So please give our podcast a listen and hopefully you like us and stick around. Go to quantumleappodcast.com to listen to new episodes. Now we go back to the fun. Message time is over and done. Check out those great podcasts. I love the Quantum Leap TV show. And the Quantum Leap Podcast is a great podcast. As far as the first one I played, Invasion, well, that's going to be part here pretty soon while I played that one. Suicide Squad number 23 is the Invasion crossover slash non-crossover. It didn't have the Invasion logo on it, but it was a part of the Invasion crossover. If you want to hear more about the Invasion, here while back on my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour show... I covered the Invasion, the main books, 1, 2, and 3, plus Starman, Manhunter, and the books they crossed over into, Flash and Firestorm. And for more in-depth coverage of the Invasion, check out Siskoid and Boss's First Strike, the Invasion podcast, which I played a promo for. They're looking at each issue of the crossover plus the books. They just released uh, the episode looking at issue 3. They're getting near the end of their run. But it's a great podcast. Check them out. Coming a great series, in my opinion. But speaking of great series, let's go ahead and talk about the one we're talking about, Suicide Squad. This was Suicide Squad number 23. Cover date of January 1989. But to buy it on sale, you had to be around December the 6th of 1988. Cover price was $1. The title of this issue was called Weird War Tales. Writer was John Ostender. Writer was also Kim Yell. Penciler Luke McDonald. Inker was Carl Kiesel, or Kessel, I've heard it both ways. Letter, Todd Klein. Colors, Carl Gaffert. And editor, Robert Greenberger. The cover was done by Luke McDonald and Carl Kessel. This synopsis from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Great sight. John Economos meets the Bronze Tiger to discuss his recent mission to Russia during the alien invasion. He, Vixen, and the Duchess battle Fangarians and Akarians alongside the Rocket Red Brigade. The New Guardians and Soiza was also involved in the battle. Nemesis pays a visit to Nightshade. He tells her about his mission to Australia to battle the Kuns. On the return trip, Captain Boomerang is thrown off a boat by several Australians. He is considered an embarrassment on his homeland. In his homeland. Elsewhere in Belrev, Simon Legreve and Maureen Hers evaluate potential candidates for the team. Maureen announces that she is quitting. Flo receives a mysterious communication from someone named Oracle. Nemesis becomes the latest victim of the pie in the face just after seeing a mysterious black light flash in the sky. Dun dun dun. So this issue, or this episode, is full of memorables. It's a very special episode. Last issue was again one of my first issues of uh, Suicide Squad I purchased. This issue, little did I know, was actually the first appearance of Oracle. Oracle became a big mainstream exhibition of Batman comics, which we'll find out eventually why. In fact, we'll get more to Oracle later. I just want to briefly mention that this is her first appearance in the Suicide Squad, and in it's Oracle's first appearance in the DCU in general. So this is gonna be a great character that we're gonna find more about. John Ostender and Kim Yell did a fantastic job. And once we get her origins, if you don't know who it is or what's why I'm talking about her, you'll find out as we go along. But enough about that. Let's go on with the actual issue. As usual, we'll start with the cover. This cover is, it's a decent cover. We've got the Suicide Squad logo. We get Duchess, Vixen, and Bronze Tiger fighting some walking, uh, they look like AT-ATs. Yeah, AT-ATs from Star Wars. I think it was that, S-T-A-T. But, you know, it looks like the AT-ATs, the walkers from 
Star Wars. Anyways, these AT-ATs are blasting the heck out of everything. Fires in the background. I mean, actual fire, not fire from the Just League International. <laughs> that would be a good crossover, though, huh? And then moving on to the story. So anyways, yeah, this is a good cover. It's not magnificent, but it is a good cover overall. And another note that I did mention that this is part of the Invasion crossover, even though it's not labeled as such. Uh, the Invasion... Uh, real quick on the Invasion before I get into the book itself. The Invasion was a three-issue miniseries from DC that crossed over all of their books. And it told about a group of aliens, different races, banding together to take out Earth because of all the hum- metahumans popping up. Uh, each After each of the main books, the titles are crossed over into it or crossed over with it. Had an Invasion logo on it. There's Invasion First Strike and Second Strike. To let you know which books you need to read in the series. Uh, overall, it was a good series. I enjoyed it. Like I said, I've talked about it on my Manhunter, or Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Cisco and Boss have their uh, Invasion podcast. Uh, definitely a good I enjoyed the series myself. So, again, this is going to be spoilers for the Invasion crossover. The aliens came, they destroyed Australia, they gave Earth a, a demand. They said, All your metahumans turn over to us now. Earth said, uh, heck with you. Tell your mom, get out of here. So there was a bunch of little battles, skirmishes, fights. The alien invaders was pushed back. As they got ready to leave, we find out from the Dominators that their real plan was to try to use Earth metahumans for their own gain. They were going to double-cross their their, uh, alliance, their companions. One young Dominator set off a gene bomb in Earth's atmosphere that caused metahumans' powers to go wacky. Uh, at the end of a lot of the crossover series, there was a bright light, which we're gonna get, I mentioned in the uh, synopsis. So this takes place right before that, as far as the battle-wise. And we'll get to that when I get to that. But anyways, on to the story itself. Uh, we get Amanda and Rick driving along out in the middle of the swamp. And basically, this is Amanda talking, monologuing, uh, monologuing. She said she was with Rick. Well, we find out that it's not really Rick, that it's actually just a, a figment of her imagination. It changes from Rick to Deadshot to uh, Senator Eden, which is uh, Nightshade's dad. So, again, the first uh, four pages of the story is basically Amanda trying to come to terms with everything that's been going on. All the loss of life she's had to deal with, her suicide squad, squad in general, and uh, so again she's talking to these different people. We see these passengers in her car, and uh, here on page four, midway through, she just steps on her brakes. That's it. I've had it. Get out of the car and out of my mind. A lot of you. Oh, now I know you're cracking up, woman. You can't even win arguments with yourself. <laughs> and I forgot about this scene. I laugh because. Uh, whenever I talk to me and it comes about talking to yourself, one of my things I say is that, well, I talk to myself. In fact, heck, I have arguments with myself. In fact, not only that, I lose the arguments. So I very much feel where Amanda's coming from, having these arguments with herself and losing. <laughs> but yeah, there's a very nice couple pages here where you know we get Deadshot, or Floyd, Rick, and she's just kind of working out her issues, if you will. That, uh, I don't know, it's just, she's, she's got a lot of internal problems. As we've talked about previously, she's lost her husband. She's lost one of her kids previously before she started this life. Now she's in charge of the Suicide Squad. And I've complained about this before. I'll complain about it again. Some adaptations, the Suicide Squad movie, uh, not quite as much, but a little more. But it's kind of similar in the Suicide Squad animated movies. They make her more of a ruthless... Uh, woman just killing people for the heck of it. Amanda's not... I mean, she will kill someone she needs to, but she's not as ruthless and as... as I'm going to put air in quotes, villainous, as a lot of people like to make her out to be. And I've had some conversations with people on Facebook that, you know, says Amanda Waller's a villain. She's not. She does some bad things for the right reason. Everything she does is, is or at least in her mind, for the right reason. I know you can say that for a lot of villains, but... 
And even though she leads a group of villains, I don't count Amanda Waller as a villain. And I, I think anyone that writes her that way is doing it wrong, in my opinion, from what I've seen with Ostinger's work. As we get along, we'll see if I'm wrong or maybe she changes. But at this point, she's not a villain. She just needs to be done to get the job done. Uh, then we get back to the prison where Bronze Tiger is talking with uh, uh, John Economos, the, the warden. And again, I want to say it again. It was a shame that we missed out on getting Bronze Tiger in the Suicide Squad movie. Maybe, hopefully, the sequel. Knock on wood. And here we get Ben talking, like I said, with John, kind of unloading on him about, you know, how he holds Waller responsible for everything, that she hadn't kept uh, Rick Flag, you know, kept riding him so hard, and trusted Ben a little bit more, hadn't played things so close to the vest, things may have not turned out like it did. And then Bronze Tiger, uh, Ben Turner, goes in and starts telling a story from the invasion when they had to go to Russia to help out. Uh, we get a recap of some of the invaders that are uh, attacking. And again, as I said, I enjoy, I really like Luke McDonald's work on this title. He may not be a fantastic artist on everything, but I think he really fits really well with Suicide Squad and how it's supposed to be a grim and gritty. Yeah, I know I've complained about grim and gritty from the 90s before, but that's what this book is. It's more of a, uh, again, in quotes, realistic, if you will, look at supervillains fighting, doing what needs to be done. But yeah, like I said, I really enjoy the artwork in here. Uh, as far as the story, like I say, I, I love uh, John Ostinger's work on here. So again, as Ben's talking about, is telling a story, we get Vim, Vixen, and Duchess in Russia, as I said. I, I love Vixen, how when she plays her animal powers, we see this image of the animal around her, behind her, next to her. Uh, kind of the same as Animal Man. I like Animal Man more. Uh, I think I, I've known him longer. Uh, maybe because he's a white guy. I don't know. But I like Animal Man better. But Vixen's a really cool character too. And again, yeah, she, she can use that strength of an, uh, an elephant or a gorilla and just leaps around, throws people, throws bricks and pieces of uh, buildings at these Hawkmen. The Thingarians, that's what they're called. Thingarians. Again, it's really great artwork. And this is basically... This first story we're hearing here is basically just a, uh, a war story from Ben Turner's and the Suicide Squad point of view. We get Duchess and the other team, come, the rest of the team coming up against the, the ad ad I talked about earlier. And again, here at the bottom of the page, what is this? A nine, it looks like. Duchess, like they come up to a walker, and Duchess comes up, she's like, one side. This needs firepower, not fancy kicking. Yeehaw! And she just runs along. Yeah, I've been complimenting Luke's, Luke McDonald's artwork on this book. I, I love his artwork. But some panels don't, or some scenes don't come across cross quite right. For instance, this one here at the bottom of page 9, why I like it. We see Duchess running off, firing her gun at the uh, walker. The way she's holding her gun, she's got out to her side and her arms are stretched out. I Again, I'm not a military guy. I'm not a gun guy. I don't think this would work. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I don't think that gun would work like she's doing it. I think she would have some problems. But they leave some more great battles. Not much really said about it. Otherwise, other than that one page, the rest of the time it looks really good. I've got no complaints. We get explosions. We get fights. We get the Rocket Red Brigade showing up. It's just basically the three members of the Suicide Squad doing what the Suicide Squad does best. Just kicking butt. I like here on page 15... We get a brief uh, mention, or we see the uh, the new Guardians, which they link up with to help out with the battle. Uh, new Guardians came out of the Millennium crossover. They had like a uh, like a twelve or thirteen issue series, I believe it was. wasn't well received. Most people didn't seem to care for them. I again, I haven't read their series in thirty years. I seem to remember enjoying that series. But again, I may have to revisit it because, like I say, everyone else I, I've talking with, talking with, I've heard talk about it, don't have nice things to say about it. So it may be something we have to reread at some point. But yeah, I really enjoyed Bronze Tiger's story there. 
And then after that, we cut over to Flow, where we meet a new member. I'm going to say in quotes of the team, a new character, again in quotes. Flo's talking with this person on the computer. Computer voice tells us, uh, well, Flo's not, at this point, she's talking to Peter itself. So, Peter, Peter, I demand who's the fairest in the land. Not me, not so far as Ben concerned. So, again, Flo's got this unrequited love with Ben Turner. Uh, ben likes her, but they're totally different. And he likes more of, he likes Vixen just because she's, Again, he calls her a woman. He calls Flo a kid. I don't know how young Flo's supposed to be. She doesn't come across that young to me. But maybe it's just, again, I'm a terrible judge of age. And I'm trying to tell the age of a character, a drawn character. But also, Vixen, Mary, is... I don't know, again, their age difference. But she is more... She's a hero. She goes out there and she fights. She's not a computer geek. And I think that's what John's attracted to is the, the, the physicality, the fact that she can go out there and kick butt and take names. So we get Flo just, you know, reminiscing, not really reminiscing, but thinking about how, you know, she cares for Ben and wishes she could be with him. And uh, I like she's talking to him. So she's, you know, who's the fairest in the land? Not me. Not so far as Ben's concerned. He just entered that witch, Vixen. That's just sex. I could offer him love. Men, they don't think of their heads on their shoulders. Huh, why am I talking to you? You'll never understand. You'll, you'll, I'll never know. You're a stupid machine. And all the other Peter answers are, Hello, I am Oracle. Is anyone present? And Phil's like, What the heck? And we'll get more about Oracle later. I don't know how much we get in this issue, but uh, we will, during this series, we will delve a bit into Oracle. We'll find out more about Oracle, who Oracle is. Yes, I mean rather vague as... Uh, again, I don't want to spoil if you haven't read this, if you don't remember, or if you've never read this, this is your first time. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for if you don't know. But again, this is this would be Oracle's first appearance ever. And we'll get more about her and her creation behind the scenes later on in the series as it progresses. But I will, will say I enjoy Oracle, and I think Oracle's a great uh, character and a great... John Ostrander and Kim Yell did a great job creating Oracle. So, And then we cut to Simon the Greaves' office where him and uh, Marnie, Marine, or however you pronounce her name, is looking at different candidates for the Suicide Squad and their fitness for it. They look at Dr. Light. Uh, Marine's saying that he you know, gets a little background on him, that he has an aversion to children. Phobies and paranoia seem to have increased over the years, as long as, as is his ego to deny this. Uh, translate, he's a coward who compensates by lying and uh, bragging, basically. He'd be perfect for the team. Dr. Light fought the Justice League. He's fought the Teen Titans. He's got his butt kicked by the Teen Titans. And in fact, right around this time, maybe right before this, he was recently, most recently beat by the little boy blue team. A group of like three or four young boys. So, Dr. Doctor Light, we'll get more of him later on. But after the Suicide Squad series ends, his story is kind of retconned in the Justice League of America books. And they make him much more of a villainous person. In this, just like, again, this is jumping forward many years after the squad book has gone away. In the Just League books in the oh, late 90s, early 2000s, I forget when it was now, they, they retcon during the uh, Identity Crisis storyline. They retconned Dr. Light and said he was a, a rapist. He raped uh, Sue Digby, I think it was, Ralph's wife, if I'm not mistaken. And so the, the Just League wiped his memory of the whole thing and of everything, basically, and set him to fight, you know, up against the lose against the Teen Titans to kind of humiliate him and booster the, the Teen Titans' spirits, if you will, or their, their morality, their, uh, I don't know, their, their can-doingness, if you will. So Dr. Light, he's an interesting character. We'll find, again, we'll find out more about him as we go on. We'll talk about him. For more on Dr. Light... Uh, there was a series I've talked about here before, Secret Origins, from DC Comics in the late 80s. Uh, a buddy of mine, Ryan Daly, did a podcast. It's over now, unfortunately, because the series ended, and he went through the whole series. But Secret Origins talked about the origins of different characters. In issue 37, they had the origins of the Legion of Substitute Heroes and the Secret Origin of Dr. Light. 
And I didn't realize it before. Now I got looking. And actually, it looks like that issue of Secret Origins, number 37, came out this month. Well, no, not, not, not uh, April of 2018, but it came out the same month that this issue of Suicide Squad came out. Uh, issue 23 of Suicide Squad and Secret Origins 37 came out the same month. So I think that's probably why they did that Secret Origins on Dr. Light is because they were getting them set up in here to start making appear appearances and bring them back into continuity, if you will. Not that it was out for a long period, but it is what it is. And then they move on. And the next candidates they're looking at is Punch and Julie. Punch and Julie is an old-time uh, team, a man, husband and wife, I believe. This is my first introduction to him was in the Suicide Squad. And again, as uh, Marine says there, again, gives a bit of their origin, their background. They're a couple of yuppies without any sense of right or wrong. Uh, suggest psych psychopathic behavior. I like this. Waller will love them. <laughs> and then, again, Simon the Grieve kind of scolder. Marine, please. And then go move on to Count Vertigo. So, Punch and Julie, I like them. They're a comedy duo, if you will. Uh, they showed up in the newest Suicide Squad, Road to Hell, whatever it is called, animated movie. Just came out, the second Suicide Squad movie, which I will be talking about the show at some point. Not this episode, because I'm running behind on it as is, but I've recently watched that, and I will be talking about that Suicide Squad animated movie. Trust me on this. But <clears throat> moving on to this issue, another character from that movie, Count Vertigo. Uh, he was a, I believe he was a Green Lantern villain. And again, our Green Arrow villain. I know he showed up on the Arrow TV show. I think he fought... It was Green Arrow he fought. Anyways, he's a longtime DC villain. And again, Marine gives a little background on him. His grandiose action, followed by deep melancholy, suggests a maniac depression, which may be hereditary. Again, Waller will have a lot of fun messing with his mind. And at this point, LaGrieve stands up kind of upset. Marine, that's enough. Because he's upset that Marine is... Letting her emotions show, she you know she she doesn't care much for Amanda Waller the way she treats the team, and she's letting it show as they're talking here, and so he tells her that's enough, and she agrees. Well, yes, it is. I'm quitting. Floyd never should have been sent on that mission. Our recommendations mean nothing other than find new cannon fodder for Waller. She did, bases everything I've been trained to do, and I can't take it anymore. I've got to go. And Lagree says, "Well, let's finish this list, Marie. Then perhaps I'll go with you." Then they're looking at the character named Shrike. Uh, so again, I like this is on page 17 of the story where we get Marine just losing it. And again, they both advised. I know we saw LaGrieve say that, you know, it's not a good idea for Floyd, a.k.a. Deadshot, to go on the last mission to find Flag. But Waller, again, sent him anyways. Which goes more about Waller. Again, she's not a villain, as I keep saying. But she does what she feels needs to be done, whether it's right or wrong. So again, she knows that she needed Floyd for that mission, so she sent him on there. And as she talked about with her own psychosis earlier in the story, uh, maybe she was setting Floyd up to kill the senator. That way, Rick didn't do it. It's hard to say with Waller and her uh, medications, medications, whatever, you know, her behind-the-scenes manipulations. But again, just so... Marine's fed up and she's ready to quit the team. And then we move on to Tresser, a.k.a. Nemesis, coming to Nightshade's room where Nightshade's sleeping. She's having a dream. And I like the, the scene here on page 18, it looks like. Yeah, page 18. Uh, Eve, Eden, Nightshade's sleeping in her bed. Her hair's flowing all over. And as Tresser comes in, her hair, I don't know if it's her hair or if it's just the shadows. Because again, Nightshade, she deals with shadows. Makes like wolves that kind of come after him. And uh, I guess it is there. I guess it is the shadow. She said when she wakes up, she's like, oh, they pulled the shadow stuff back into me. And again, to borrow, borrow a page from my buddy uh, Irredeemable Shag's book, Nightshade is hot. But again, we get the two sitting here and they've got a bit of a, a story behind them. And they're sitting there talking and laughing. And, and uh, this is basically just a segue to get Tom Tresser's, a.k.a. Uh, Nemesis, invasion story out. So again, he's with us, uh, Boomerang in Australia, as I talked about earlier. And even comments, uh, Boomerang was one of the other team leaders of this mission. Again, they, they only show like one panel so far, then one panel, two panels, top of this page. 
some coons and then Boomerang throws his boomerangs. And Tom says how Boomerang did a really good job. He seemed to actually take the attacking of Australia personal, seeing how he is Australian. And afterwards, he hung out in Australia, was showing him around a little bit. And we find out a little bit more about how Australians feel about Boomerang. He considers himself a hero for Australia. But as this one guy here says, he's basically just a uh, an embarrassment. As he says, this one guy the Nemesis is talking to, he's like, him? He's a national embarrassment for years. The fellow's all bludger and an earboard ear a boot. He's like, what? Sorry, it means he's a butcher and he talks too much. Like this, popular belief here he's an American pretending to be Australian. No offense. No offense. Ear sore? Yep, that's our captain. And then the couple guys he's talking to throws him in the water. It's... <laughs> I like this. But again, it shows Captain Boomerang. He's full of himself. He he's, thinks more of himself than he actually is. Which is very Captain Boomerang. And uh, this is the Captain Boomerang I love. I'm not a huge fan of when they're trying to either, like, say, the Suicide Squad movie, beef him up. Or in the animated movies. I don't know. It, just, it seems like they're trying to away from this version of Captain Boomerang. And uh, the guy that Tom's talking with says, hey, you're the one of the Yanks helped to turn, uh, helps turn around, aren't you? I'd like to buy you a drink. And Tom's like, beauty. Just you know, off the side, we see splash. Where get, <laughs> boomerangs in the water. We get Eve busting up laughing in bed about that. <laughs> and he was close enough to shore. He was able to, you know, get, you know, he's able to get to shore without any trouble. But he's, uh, Tom tells that boomerangs disown the whole country. But since they seem very disowned him, it doesn't really matter at that point. And as Tom walks away, we see someone in the back corner. And all of a sudden, there's a flash in the sky. Everything goes in verse as uh, Tom, a.k.a. Nemesis, gets hit in the face of the pie that we talked about previously. The old pie Thor heating up. But again, the, as I talked about, this tells us to read Invasion 3 for the finale. And then come back for the second anniversary issue as the Suicide Squad has changed forever. And in future episodes, we'll find out more about the Pythor, what's going on with that. Uh, that's a subplot that continues for a little while. And as I talked about, like I said, this goes into Invasion number three, where everything's rounded up and completed. Again, for more on that, check out either my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. I have three episodes devoted to that. I think it was just three. And also check out the Invasion, uh, what is it called? The First Strike the Invasion podcast by Cisco and Boss over in the Fire and Water Network. It's a great show. I enjoy it. And again, they're covering each issue individually. They think they've already covered this one. They've already covered, like I said, they just covered Invasion 3. So, but I guess that's going to do it for this. Again, I enjoyed the artwork. I enjoyed... While it wasn't a true Invasion crossover, it wasn't part of the banner, and it didn't take place, aka in real time, it was it did have stories for the Invasion. So I still think they should have had the the Invasion logo on here, but they didn't. So what are you gonna do? But anyways, that's it for the Suicide Squad for this month. Uh, I don't have any letters or anything really to talk about, so we're gonna go ahead and move on uh, and close things up next month. We return to uh, uh, kind of a normal episode where we have Su uh, Checkmate 13 and Suicide Squad 24. So go ahead and be back for that. Also, make sure you tell a friend about the show. Check it out if you, if you have someone else to uh, take a listen if you're enjoying it. If you like the show, leave me some feedback. Send me an email to taskforcex at headspeaks.com or you can look up taskforcex on Facebook. I'm on there. Uh, you can send a message on Twitter to the Headcast Network. I don't do much on Twitter as much as I should, but you can send me a message on there. Or if you're on Apple Podcasts uh, or uh, Stitcher or anywhere else that you can, leave a rating. I know on Apple, Apple Podcasts, it helps out the show if you leave a, a rating. Leave me a rating. Leave me some feedback. If you do, I'll read it on the show. Uh, I definitely hear love hearing from people. But... While you're at it, check out my other shows. I've got Head Speaks. I've got G.I. Joe, Real American Headcast. 
And as I've talked about a couple times this episode, the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Uh, I've mentioned briefly before about, I believe I mentioned on this show, I've talked about the Krypton podcast. I'm no longer affiliated with that show. Nothing against the show or Andy or anything. It's just, as you can see, I'm having a hard enough time trying to get my own four shows out without doing a fifth show. So unfortunately, both me and uh, my buddy Matt Sampson had to back out just due to time constraints. I'm enjoying the Krypton TV show. I'm enjoying the podcast. But I just didn't have time to fit a, the fifth podcast real, realistically and get it out. I was hoping I could squeeze it in, but just life keeps interfering. So I talked with Andy and, and told him, unfortunately, I had to back out of it. I was sad I wanted to talk about Krypton. I may talk about it at some point over at Head Speaks. But if you like the Krypton TV show, definitely check out the Krypton podcast. Even though I'm not associated with it anymore, still worth checking out. But I guess that's going to do it for this time. Uh, Join us next month here on Task Force X. Until then, squadmates, dismissed. Listen to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me. Mate, you just out crazy the Joker. <laughs> well, I tried Boomer, but anyways, my home on the internet is at HeadSpeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P. E-A-K-S dot C-O-M. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast can be found there. Both Task Force X and Headspeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at headspeaks.com under Headcasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. And if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at taskforcex at headspeaks.com, and I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at taskforcex, and also on Google+, Plus. you can look for taskforcex under people pages. Now, all titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. Uh, DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. Mother... (laughs) Well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled headcast from your friendly neighborhood, Brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages. Yippee!